0: we'll pal around and never have i felt so much a pal as when i am strolling down the world with richard selzer and yet to walk with richard selzer is to walk with civilization have i called it a sad voice he is like most men a sad man perhaps more than most but that is only to say he has lived and he can be trusted In fact, I would guess that it is precisely the minor key in which he is forced to set his bravest, brightest music that enabled me to hear the whole man, and drew us together so effortlessly. Here was a writer whom I could think of as an artist, who carried his bruised brown notebooks wherever he went, who knew how to complain with great élan about the paucity of his gifts without once feeling sorry, and who, in fact, laughed at his modest output. My life's work is one book for Trollope, and discussed his middling pace as one would speak of an antique car that is passed by everything else on the road, but contents its driver as long as it runs. I write seventy publishable pages per year, no more, no less. At the end of three years I have enough of one of these little books. As he spoke, I could hear down the hall the electronic clamor that facilitates bushels of mediocrity, while this old-fashioned pen-pusher scratches out a sentence or two of the timeless. Among the Yadish, as he called them, as in this book, Richard's talent for the artistries of talking stretched its wings and soared highest in short stories, his persona drawing listeners like a magnet. Once in command, this self-described scrawny little person, allegedly at the height of his beshrivelment, the prime of his senility, alchemized his life into picaresque adventures whose comedy made believers of us all, doctoring with the healthiest of medicines. I am an Irisher, he has told me. I am one of those Irish talkers from Troy. Observing even the oddest shape of listening being Irished into an audience, it amused me to think that Richard and I were both writers with two other professions. He was a surgeon, I am a painter, and we are both men of the theatre. I as an actor-director, he as a public speaker with a calendar rivaling Dickens, and best of all, as a brilliant raconteur. But his talk was not all story. It sang homage to what pleased him boldly opined on sensitive issues, puzzled and anguished openly over the obdurate problems of life. Once he gave himself up to a talk, he gave with greater generosity, verve, and skill than any talker I have known. I relished listening. I thirsted for more. I wanted to know the man better. Talking with him in the kitchen of his spacious old three-story home on St. Ronan's, It struck me that it would make an interesting book to have the reader and I come to know him together through his delightful conversation. It was a good hunch, but an easy one. It is all I can take credit for. The rest is Richard Selzer, who would doubtless say, "'It's all you can take the blame for. The rest is me.' "'Of course, I am leaving something out.' His initial response to my proposal was, "'It would have to be someone who could keep me awake.' And so I did. Cigarettes and the last sip of vodka long gone. I often kept him talking so late that I was a blur to him, and sleeping became a devoutly wished period to his sentence.' He began teasingly to refer to me as Boswell, and I, for my part, remembered Dempster's response to Boswell's complaint, that drinking port and sitting up late with the vastly garrulous Dr. Johnson affected his nerves for some time after. Dempster Hm one had better be palsied at eighteen than not keep company with such a man. In the end there was so much Selzer from which to choose, that this selection isn't the half of it, but it is, at least, some of the best. This is a book about a good man. It is also about a very good writer, who was once a highly respected surgeon. Had we embarked upon it ten, even five years previous, it might have been a book about a surgeon turned writer, But Richard Selzer has been out of his practice for years. He renounces the title of doctor, and he calls himself a writer because that is now the life he lives and loves. The surgeon can be unmade, he has said. The artist cannot. Whether replacing scalpel with pen and disenfranchising the doctor does, in fact, unmake him is an issue of deep resonance which— In all its tenses, informs these talks with some of their strongest and most complex cross currents of feeling. If, at the beginning, our friendship had not been quite so new, a different type of query would have surfaced, and some of the same questions might have issued from a more enlightened perspective. With few exceptions, however, I was probing to find out, not to record what I already knew, or to support agendas of concentrated research and my companion responded well to that. The absence here of close critical readings might frustrate the exegetical scholars, but their presence would have frustrated the talks. Besides, if there are any gifted writers who can be read, and read well without critical paraphernalia, Richard Selzer is one of them. Like most writers, he likes to see an author write well about his work. But when they come to write him, in order to see in the work the cellser they need to see, the worst being those in quest of oracles on the issues, you know, medical ethics and all of that. Richard's brain turns blue trying to give them what they need in order to write what they intended to write to begin with. And he can resume putting sentences into a plain spiral notebook until they conjure a few traces of the life he has lived and the world he has imagined. Once the venture got rolling, Richard observed that he seemed to be talking his autobiography. This was not my intention, but taken with his books, these spoken life sketches comprise a vivid account of his voyages thus far. The talks are also a documentary, over a broadly extended moment of present tense, of a man engaged in one of his cherished daily enterprises— Talking. Talking, best of all, with a friend. Here is a man who believes in talk. Without that, what are we? We're lost. And in a way, this is a book as much about talk as of it. In editing our discussions, I have selected, cut, punctuated, but not in the popular practice of treating the typescript as a draft to be rewritten or restructured, to read like a meeting of two pens. As talk is thus improved, it becomes a different art. There is nothing wrong with concocting a fine fiction out of discussion, and the simple act of cutting turns this, too, into a type of fiction but my preference has been to present only the spoken, altered, if at all, only in that it is shortened, to preserve strict chronology, and to regard the various imperfections of language, the groping of thought, the offshoots, the meandering, the jumps ahead, the doubling and tripling back, and even the never getting back to the subject at all, as characteristic of the adventure of good talk, and part of its purpose and its pleasure." perhaps, too, as a way to discover what is distinctive about the speaker's cast of mind. Talk and thought are as much behavior as anything else. The how is inseparable from the what. Richard Selzer, being an author who has chosen with infinite care every word we see printed upon his pages, I proposed, and he agreed, to keep the transcribed talks out of his study. As some of the talks lasted all day or much of the night, many of these chapters are only a sampling of what was spoken on that occasion. But with the rare exception of minor linguistic adjustments or emendations, a word or two here or there, they are accurate, abbreviated renderings of what one man said to another. If Richard's conversation reads well, it is a tribute to the writer as talker, not the reverse. When we convened these dialogues, he had published five collections, a book of short stories entitled Rituals of Surgery, 1974, a collection of personal essays and memoirs entitled Mortal Lessons, Notes on the Art of Surgery, 1976, and three combinations of short story, personal essay, and memoir, Confessions of a Knife, 1979.